0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, how are we feeling? We doing good? It's going to be a great day. Uh, today, we're going to open up the Bible, and we're going to let God speak to us, okay? We believe that that's what happens every time we open up the Bible, as God speaks to us. And if you weren't in here for the last three minutes, my name is Davey, and I'm the pastor here at the St. Paul location of River Valley. And uh, we are one church with, with nine locations, and uh, and I'm the, the pastor of this location. And if you don't like today, like today's message, it's all good, our lead pastor Pastor Rob Ketterling is the one that is, is uh, the most constant voice in our church, and it should be that way. And uh, you'll love him. So if you don't like me today, that's okay. Just keep coming back, and, and you'll like it. Um, yeah, that's not a joke either. Like, it's okay if, if you're not a fan, it's all good. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share uh, uh, some thoughts with you today. We're in the middle of a series called Kingdom Culture. And uh, this whole series is all about the fact that this culture that we live in here in this world is not actually the culture that we should live by that we might be living in it, but it's not the culture we live by, that there's a kingdom culture that if you were to peel back the spiritual atmosphere of this room right now, you wouldn't see more buildings and you wouldn't see, uh, just the same things that you always see with your, with your eyes. But if you looked with spiritual eyes, you'd see a, a, a war that's going on for your life and for my life and for the lives of our neighbors here in this city. And, and there are, there are greater priorities in a kingdom culture and different ones than, than, than the culture that we live in here in this, in, in this world. And I believe this, that we should not run away from the culture of this world, but we should take our kingdom culture and influence the culture of this world. And, and let me, let me tell you what I don't mean by that. What I don't mean is that that's a cliche statement to get people fired up. What I do mean is that we actually have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us as followers of Jesus to encounter people that there is, um, I love good design and I love good photos and I love... Good food, and I love all these things that, that are great things that drive culture in, in our world today. But what changes people's lives is not shoes, is not food, is not design, but it's an encounter with the presence of the living God. And we carry that inside of us. We should be shifting culture with every conversation that we have. So we are in this series called Kingdom Culture. We've been looking at different things that, that, that are our priorities. In the kingdom culture, these are things that will take you from just being a believer in Jesus to a disciple of Jesus. These are these are things. So we're looking at at ten different things, and we're actually following along with a book that's a great supplement for you. Uh, and we have it for sale in, uh, in in the lobby after service if you want to grab that at a discount. It's a great book and. Um, you can grab that on your way out. And uh, we've looked at a lot of different, uh, different things. By the way, if you have missed some weeks, which in summertime happens, people are traveling, people have cabins, and that's fine. I'm jealous, whatever, um, and uh, invite me. Um, so, but people, people miss weeks and that's okay. Just catch up. I would encourage you to catch up. And specifically, I'm just gonna say this. I don't know if I'm allowed to have favorite sermons, but I do. Uh, Pastor Rob taught a, a, a message on, on how we love In this kingdom culture. And uh, I'm telling you what, if if there's a message you need to listen to or watch, go online and watch that message. Um, That is the heart of our church, is to love people. That is the heart of our church. Not that our neighbors would be a project for us and and we'd find cheesy ways to slip invite cards to people, but we would actually love them because we love them. That we would mow their lawn because we love them. That we would uh, do whatever we have to do to take care of them because we love them. And so I'm not going to regurgitate that message. You can watch that one on your own, but it's really good. Um, And so this week we are talking about that, uh, that our lives in this kingdom culture should be governed by the authority of God's word, should be governed by the authority of God's Word. And, uh, and, and if you want a, a, just an easier way to think about that, that this book would be more than just a book to you, but it would be the guide for your life and how you see Jesus. And, and so here's, here's what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the book of John, John chapter one. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to John chapter one. And uh, I love the, the gospel of John. It's my favorite gospel. It's my favorite uh, gospel to read, uh, mostly because I feel like it gives us an inside scoop into walking with Jesus uh, because John was very close with Jesus. At least he said that he was close with Jesus. Uh, John claimed to be the closest disciple to Jesus, which is either narcissistic or awesome. (laughs) So I think that we should have that perspective, like, I'm so close to Jesus, but just keep getting closer, you know what I'm saying? So John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to jump around a little bit. It says, in the beginning was the Word. You guys doing good? Everybody okay? Do we take a deep breath together? Okay, good. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh. This is where it gets wild. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Here's what we're talking about today. If you don't get anything else from this message, if you zone out, if you go on Instagram, if you fall asleep for the rest of this message, here's what we're talking about. The Bible points us to Jesus. The Bible points us to Jesus. Why is that important? Because this life that we live in Christ, this kingdom culture that we're living, is not about having every single part of the Bible memorized. It's not having every story memorized. It's not knowing how big or what kind of fish swallowed Jonah or how many cubits was the ark. Or was it a double rainbow or just a single rainbow that God showed? Anybody see that double rainbow, by the way? That was epic. Um, it's, but that's not what this is about. All of this is about the fact that God couldn't stand the thought of being separated from you. So he bankrupt heaven, sent Jesus to this earth to live the life that we could not live, die the death that we deserve to die. On that cross, Jesus took everything that we deserved, and he gave us everything that he deserved. That's the gospel. That's what this word is all about. It's all about Jesus, that God loves you so much that he wants a relationship with you and we have access to the words that he says. That's what this is all about. And we need to allow God's word to lead and guide our lives. Growing up, uh, I was very familiar with the Bible. I grew up as a, a pastor's kid and we did family devotions together. Colin's connection, right dad? Yeah. It was awesome. And uh, grew up Around the Bible, grew up in church, uh, I even had my own Bible, and I would even highlight I even had a Bible case. does anybody have a Bible case? anybody still have one of those? Somebody in here has to have one i'll wait i'll wait. wow, nobody um, very efficient okay uh, uh, and I had one of those. it was really cool and uh I was around the Bible all the time. I had my own Bible. I would even highlight things in my Bible. I don't know what I highlighted in my Bible as a child, but I did. I highlighted things. I would get pieces of candy in Sunday school for memorizing verses in the Bible. I was around the Bible all the time, but I didn't really understand what the Bible was about. I didn't know. I didn't didn't know. I didn't know that it was... I knew people called it God's Word. I didn't really fully grasp the weight that was the Bible. And so what we're going to look at today might seem very elementary, it might seem very foundational, and that is intentional. Because there, there is an epidemic in our world today that uh, people are biblically illiterate. Christians, followers of Jesus, are biblically illiterate. Now, I'm, the, the purpose of this is not so that you can learn more. Okay? The purpose of the Bible is not just so that you can learn more. In fact, Paul says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The purpose of God's word is for us to love better, okay? So that we can love people more, okay? And so it's not about just knowing more things, but it's about loving people better. And and I don't want to assume anything. I think that's an important way for us to live. When we interact with people and we know that the the Bible is what guides and leads our life, we shouldn't assume anything. We shouldn't assume that they know the things that we know. They know the stories that we know. That when we talk about being in a lion's den, that we know exactly what they're talking. Even in the songs that we sing, there's another in the fire. You know, that comes from the Bible. It's an account in scripture that happened uh, with these guys that were thrown into a fiery furnace. But somebody at the Crosstown campus was brand new and Pastor Rob was there on the front row about to preach. And they came up to him and they said, who's in the fire? And what do we, like, seriously concerned? Okay, so we cannot assume anything. Can't assume anything. So we're going to be very foundational today about how we uh, accept Approach and apply God's word. Those are the three things I think it's important that we wrap our heads around when it comes to the Bible. That we accept it properly. That, that at a distance, we see it for what it truly is. And the, then the way that we approach it, because I believe that the way that you accept God's word is the way that you'll approach God's word. That we need to approach it properly. But then the way that you approach God's word is gonna lead to the way that you apply God's word to your life. And it's important that we gather these things. And so the first one is this, that scripture is God's word. Scripture is God's word. What, what does that mean? Uh, when, when God speaks, when he says something, when you speak and you say something, your word is part of you. That, that, uh, and, and maybe you don't think that way. And, and that's not a good thing because when you say something, you can't just say, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I, that's, that's not what I, I, I didn't mean that. I just said that. Well, what you say is who you are. What is what is Jesus says this out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and out of the abundance of the heart God speaks and when he speaks life is created and what we see in John is that it's a very familiar passage in the beginning in the beginning if you have ever tried to read through the Bible you at least got to that part in Genesis It's the first line like in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So John, he starts to write and he says, in the beginning, he, he, he's, he's making, letting us know that this is something that's real familiar but it's also brand new because in the beginning was the Word, that it's not just a relationship with God and creation, but it's a relationship where the culmination is not just the creation of humanity, but the culmination is the creation of one human, and he refers to him as the Word, meaning that what God is speaking is manifest in Jesus. What God is saying is manifest in who Jesus is and what he says. If you want to see who God is, look at his Word. Well, how do we look at his Word? What does that look like? Who is his Word? Jesus. You want to know God, you look at Jesus. Jesus is God's word. That's what we're talking about here. It's one full story. That word, word, that's a confusing statement. That word, word, is this word logos. That's the Greek word. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a meta narrative, it's a full story. That, what, what that means is that the Bible is not just individual books, chapters, stories, verses, but it's actually one story. If, if contractors look at a blueprint to build a house, There are different people that are coming together doing different jobs. You got plumbers, you got sheetrock people, you got other people that build the houses, and uh, like the hammer guy, and uh, Bob the builder, you know, and Dora. I don't know if she was there or not, maybe. Um, Daniel Tiger. (laughs) That was stupid. We have all these people, and they're all looking at the same thing, and they're all doing different things, but it's all to build one thing. As we look at the Bible, it's a lot of different people writing a lot of different things under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but it's all one story. We shouldn't isolate little pieces here and isolate little words here, but it's all one story, and it's the story of God sending Jesus because he loves you. That's what this story is about. That's what God's Word is. The second thing is this. Scripture is prophetically accurate. Scripture is prophetically accurate. There are a lot of people that will try to debate the accuracy of Scripture. What's amazing is if you look at the things that have been discovered in archaeology over the past 10 years, five years, two years, the things that they are finding in, in ancient Israel, the things that they are finding in Israel, not ancient Israel, today in Israel, things that they're finding right there, only Prove what God is saying. But that's not why we believe what we believe. Here's why we believe what we believe. If the Bible is pointing to Jesus, then Jesus should be the guide of, of accuracy of Scripture. Now, in the Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, there are prophecies about Jesus. That's what the whole Old Testament is about. It's about pointing to Jesus. And there are prophecies, tons of prophecies that, that are about Jesus. And so there was this uh, scientist and mathematician uh, named Dr. Peter Stoner. And he, he, di- he wrote up this equation to figure out the probability of Jesus being able to fulfill some of these prophecies. But he knew it would be too difficult for him to uh, get an equation to write out how, how he would fulfill all the prophecies. So he said, let's find out what the probability would be of, of Jesus fulfilling just eight, just eight of these prophecies. He wrote this equation up depending on what the population was at the time of the prophecy, who the prophet was, how many prophets were in that area, uh, the, the, the climate of that area, the, the, the status of that area. He used all these things to set up this equation, and, and what he found out is just eight prophecies. What are the chances of Jesus fulfilling just eight Old Testament prophecies? Is is ten to the one in ten to the twenty eighth power? Here is what that number looks like: one in that. Um, and I don't know what that number is. I don't know how to say that number. So if you do, uh, tell me after service. That that is the that is the likelihood, the probability of Jesus fulfilling eight. Old Testament prophecies about him. Now to put that into a, a way that I would understand it is this, if you were to take silver dollars and you were to cover the state of Texas, anybody been to Texas before? Yeah. Yeehaw. Um, been to Texas, it's huge. It's, it's a huge state. It would be like covering the state of Texas in silver dollars and then covering it again and again and again until you've covered that thing in silver dollars two feet deep, two feet deep in, in, in silver dollars. And then you take one of those silver dollars and you put an X on it and you fly over the state of Texas in a, in a helicopter and you throw that, that marked silver dollar out of the helicopter and it lands in there. And then you go to one of your friends and you say, okay, I'm gonna blindfold you and you're gonna walk and wade through two feet deep of silver dollars across the state of Texas and you can pick up any, any silver dollar you want, but you can only pick up one. So you have to walk through and you can only pick up one. And the probability of you picking up the silver dollar that, that I marked is the same probability of Jesus fulfilling eight Old Testament prophecies. Okay, what, what's amazing about that is Jesus didn't fulfill eight. He fulfilled over 300 So when we look at the Bible, we believe what we believe because of Jesus. We believe what we believe because that when Jesus came to this earth, he did things that no one else can do, not just healing people, not just walking on water, but fulfilling all of history's prophetic words about him. He fulfilled them. That's why we believe what we believe. We don't believe what we believe because Noah's ark was a certain size or because David had smooth stones that he threw at a giant. We believe what we believe because Jesus was who he says he was and did what he said he was going to do, that he died and he came back from the dead to save us from our sins. That's why we believe what we believe. Scripture is prophetically accurate. Also, Scripture is truth. It's truth, which means it's the guide for your life. It's the way that we base what we believe. It's truth. There there are a lot of conversations that I'll have with people where they're like, uh, they disagree with something. I say, that's your truth and that's my truth, okay? Well, the problem is truth is either truth or it's not. In a kingdom culture, the perspective that we live with is not by letting other people determine what truth is for us, not just letting the news determine what truth is for us. By the way, information is not truth. Uh, first to report is not truth. So just because you saw something or heard something or read something uh, does not mean that it's truth. What we believe is that God's word defines truth for us. Does that leave some gray area at times? Yeah, it does. Is that okay? Absolutely, that's okay. I think it's okay if there are things that cause us to trust Jesus more, and that's what gray area does. It shouldn't confuse us. It should lead us to trust him more. I think it's important that we allow God's word to lead us and guide us. If you've ever been hiking and you've had to use a compass, you better make sure that the compass you're using is, is a, is like a decent compass. I had a compass that I bought for real cheap one time. And, uh, the problem with this compass is it looked right and it, and it looked like it did all the right things, but it didn't point north. I was like Jack Sparrow on the open seas trying to figure out where in the world I'm going. I've never walked in so many circles in my entire life. Dad, that's when you bought me that that, that other compass that clips on, you know? Um, yeah, I got real lost. It was... It was great, but that's how a lot of people live. They Just depending on how they feel, that's what north is. Depending on what the last thing that they heard was, that's what north is. Just because they listened to a podcast that might've changed their perspective, That that now is north. Either God is God or he's not, and either his word is truth or it's not. And we need to allow God's word to be truth for our lives. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not a bunch of different compasses pointing in a bunch of different directions that you get you there. The way there is Jesus. His way is the right way. His way is truth. And that's the last part in this piece of acceptance is that scripture is Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points to him. The gospels are all about him and his life. The New Testament is life after he had died and was resurrected and sent people out to to, to live what he has called them to live. That's what the Bible is all about. It's all about Jesus. And that's how we accept God's Word. When we see God's Word at a distance, that's how we accept it into our lives. Because the way that we accept it will determine the way that we approach it. What do I mean by approach? What I mean by approaching God's Word is I mean the way that we read it, the way that we study it, the way that we make sense of it. And there's a lot of different ways to do this, but I'm going to share with you an example of how not to do this. Okay, there was a story that I heard, and there was a pastor that, I think he had a bad, like a bad Sunday And it was like no one was there, and he was getting real sad and a little bit like, "Man, should I even do this anymore?" You know, just having some negative thoughts. And 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 so he said, "You know what, God, I'm just gonna I'm gonna open up your word, and I'm gonna do Bible roulette. That is this is not a good idea. What that means is you close your Bible, and then you close your eyes, and you flip through the Bible until you, you until you feel like stopping, or a friend says stop." It's like, it's like making the Bible a card trick, okay? That's not what this is. Stop, and then you take your finger, you go like this on the page until somebody says, stop. You stop right there and that is now your word from heaven. Okay? That is not how we live our lives. This pastor, this is not a joke. This pastor, and thankfully he didn't, he didn't uh, listen to God's word. He knew better after he had done this, but, but he, he, he did that little trick there and he opened up and landed his finger right on Matthew 27, 5, which says this. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. That's not an encouraging word from heaven. That's not God's plan for anybody's life. Okay? There's a better way to approach scripture. There is a better way. So how do we do this? How do we approach scripture? First of all, I think it's important that we take it from context to context. Here's what I mean. This book, the Bible was written over a span of many years through many different authors in many different areas and contexts and people. And so when we read it, we need to learn how to read it from that perspective, from that context. That's why I think everybody should get a good study Bible. Get the NIV study Bible, ESV study Bible. Just get yourself a study Bible. It'll help you make sense of the original context. And then what you do is you find a way, how is that going to apply to my life today? Here's what we can't do, is take the Bible and read it in 2019 American perspective. Because that's not how God wrote that. It applies to us, but we need to read it in its original context. And does that, that, that might to you seem like that, that sounds crazy. Actually, it's very powerful when we learn that. And this is why it's important for us to read scripture in the context of community. Because there are things that when it doesn't make sense to us, we can either walk away or we can walk to a friend and say, help me understand this. I have so many people that I call. I have yet to read the Bible. And walk away saying, yep, that all made sense to me. I don't have any questions, Lord. And I have a degree in this thing, okay? So if you're reading the Bible, you're going to have questions and it's important to find people. That's why we're talking about life groups. Be in a life group so that you can read scripture together. And when you have questions, you can text somebody. And do you know how this works? Let me just tell you how this works. You read the Bible. This is, this is real talk. You read the Bible and something doesn't make sense to you. So you text somebody in your life group and you say, Hey, help me understand this. And they say, I don't know. So they text your life group leader. That life group leader might read it and say, Oh, that makes sense. Here's, here's what that means. Or they won't know. And they'll text the life group coach. And then one of the life group coaches will read it. And either they'll, they'll have the answer and help you understand or they won't. And then do you know what they do? They'll text me. <laughs> and then I read it, and either I understand it or I have no clue either. And so we're all on a study journey together. And so then I start I start calling my college professors. I start calling my dad, and we solve this thing together. That's what this journey of following Jesus looks like. We're all doing this thing together. I'm not up here because I know everything. I'm up here because I'm saying, I don't know everything. Let's go on a journey together. That's how we approach Scripture together. Here's another great way to do this is this tool called called SOAP. We do this thing at River Valley called SOAP. It stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. So you read the Scripture, you observe what it says, you apply it to your life, and you pray about it. Do this with a friend. It's awesome. The way, how, how do we do this? On your way out at the Next Steps area, you can get a SOAP card that'll have all the, the dates and the, the readings, or you can download the River Valley Church app. Thanks, Mom. It looks like this. Give it up for my mom. She's amazing. It looks like this. Grab this on your way out uh, or download the River Valley Church app and there's a soap tab down at the bottom and you can hit that and follow along with soap. And if you're not a good reader, you can just hit play and it'll just read it to you. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's okay, by the way. Audio Bible is okay. You can do that. It doesn't make you less holy. It just means that you're not reading it. It's okay. Does that make sense? Great. Few more things on the way that we approach God's word. We approach God's word full of faith. We approach God's word full of faith. We don't approach God's word with sleep in our eyes and, and, and just like timidity in our heart. We approach God's word full of faith, ready for it to change our lives. This is what it says in John chapter eight. It says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I believe and trust God, if I believe and trust God, his word will make sense and will make me free. That belief comes before understanding sometimes. That trust actually precedes illumination in God's word sometimes. What is your spiritual posture when you approach God's word? Is it lazy expecting nothing? Or is it full of faith, expecting to be transformed and expecting to produce fruit in your life? And that's the, that's the last part of the way that we approach God's word is we need to enter God's word full of faith, but leave God's word full of fruit. Leave God's word full of fruit. I love what it says in John chapter 15. This is what Jesus said, remain in me and I also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We don't approach God's word to find lists of do's and don'ts. We approach God's word to find Jesus, to look more like him, to walk away with more patience, to walk away with more kindness, to be more gentle, to love people better. That's how we approach God's word. We don't approach God's word trying to search for the deepest thing we can possibly find. Can we redefine depth together? Depth to me just means that you're over your head. If you're in a deep pool, that means that the water is over your head. And I have yet to find a Greek word or something from the original language or some deep quote from a theologian that's going to help me love my neighbors better. Sometimes there are those things. But let me tell you what, the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you, you look at Jesus, it'll help you love people better. Yeah. You could read John three sixteen over to yourself, over and over and over and over and over again. And do you know what that's going to do? It's not going to become redundant. It's going to continue to be fresh. It's going to continue to be fresh. Why? Because in that we see Jesus. Yeah. The purpose of this is not just to know more, it's to love more. That's how we need to approach God's Word. And lastly, application. Anita, you can come up. We're going to close this thing out. Uh, I, the way that we apply God's Word is so important because we can accept it for what it is and we can approach it properly and we can have great study habits, but if we don't apply God's Word to our lives properly, we're going to miss some things. And uh, I was on Instagram just the other day. It was while I was preparing for this message and I was I was on Instagram and one of my buddies, Chef, he he had uh, posted a story and um, this is <clears throat> this is what he posted: Is the belt necessary? <laughs> yes or no? You can keep that thing rolling. Paul describes the word of truth as the belt of truth. That there's armor of God that we spiritually put on, and he called he called the <laughs> he called the 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 word of God the belt of truth. But there's a lot of Christians. Who are a lot like this guy spiritually, and, and you accept God's word as it is, as God's word, as truth in your life, you even approach it the right way. You, you, this guy, he accepted that he needed a belt. His pants were too, he, he knew he needed a belt. He even approached it the right way. He even buckled it and like threaded it through. He did, he did it. He, he approached it all the right way, but the application was a little bit off. And I think that there's a lot of Christians that are spiritually walking around and we accept God's word the right way, we approach it the right way, but the the, the actual belt is not doing anything for us. We're not applying it. It's not actually helping our walk. It's hindering our walk. It's making things more frustrating for us. And so here's, we're gonna just talk real quick. How do we apply God's word to our lives? First thing is this, stop reading and start doing. James 1 says, therefore, get rid of, all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and and humbly accept the word planted in you, the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at it, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. trying to just get through the Bible and let the Bible get through you. It's okay to read less scripture. Here's what I mean. It's okay if you don't make it through the whole Bible in one year. It's okay if you, if you have to stop your version reading plan and you don't make it through the whole Bible in 90 days. It's okay. Why? Because the purpose is not for you to get through the Bible, but for the Bible to get through to you. Don't, don't, don't ask God for more fresh revelation until you've started doing the things he's already revealed to you. This, this is not about just knowing more. It's about loving more and living like Jesus. So 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 don't just don't just read it. Start doing it. I love what Bob Goff said. He said, "We don't do I don't do Bible studies anymore. I do Bible doings." We all get together and do what the Bible says. I'm like that is brilliant. Look for love, not just learning. 1 Corinthians eight says, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Last thing is this. God's word is for me to change me and build me. God's word is for me to change me and build me. God's word is for me to change me and build me. We, we should not be reading our Bibles with the perspective of, oh, I need to have a word to share with this person because they are way off in this area. Notice how, 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 how James refers to the, the the word as a mirror. That might have been a mirror falling. He refers to God's word as a mirror, not ammunition. The Bible is not ammunition for you to share and, and shoot down the, the sinful people in your world. It's a mirror. show you that you need Jesus God's word's a sword to do spiritual surgery on yourself It's, it's solid material for you to build your life on Hebrews 4 says that the word of God is alive and active and it's sharper than any double edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart and that's not for your neighbor, that's for you that's for me In Matthew 7, Jesus says, a wise person listens to my word. And that person is like somebody that that builds their house on a solid foundation. But somebody that hears my words and goes away and doesn't apply what they say is building their life on a shaky foundation. It's here to build your life. It's for you. It's there to change you. How do we do this practically? This is where I'm gonna close right here. I believe that that the, God's word, as we apply it to our lives, we need to personally confess God's word in our life. This is a very practical thing. This is something that I have to do regularly. Why? Because I am attacked with thoughts that are not from God. I'm attacked with, with mentalities and perspectives about myself that are not from God, with things that will lead me to believe I'm not who God has created me to be. And the only way I know how to combat those things is keep building. Just keep building. Just keep building just keep building. And the enemy might tell me that I'm not worth it, just keep building. And, and, and I might feel like I've gone too far, just keep building. And I might feel like I'm not worthy, just keep building. There are moments where I'll have thoughts like, I don't know who I am or why I should be secure, what my identity is. And so I have written down in my phone under a little note that says, personal confession that I have to go to, and it's Galatians 4, seven. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. There are times where I will feel thoughts where I'm thinking I've gone too far and I've sinned too much. I'm not worthy of any of this, but Romans 8, one says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are times, I'm being honest with you as your pastor, where I feel like I don't know if God actually loves me. I don't even know that sometimes. And I have to remind myself and read Romans 8 over my life that says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's what we build our lives on. That's what we stand on. It's Jesus. That's what God's Word is all about. With every head bowed, every eye closed in this room, I want to give everybody an opportunity to meet that Jesus, to, to, to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, not just some distant figure that you read about in a book, but somebody that paid the price for your sins so you can spend eternity in heaven with God. The Bible says this, that when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. What that means is that you'll have abundant and eternal life. Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You've never made this decision before. This is is a decision you need to make to follow Jesus. It doesn't take you from being bad to good, but from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. If you're ready to be a new creation, As the Bible says, that the old is gone and the new has come when you make this decision. You're ready to be a new creation. Let Jesus be the Lord and Savior of your life. Just slip your hand up right where you're at. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Come on, let's all pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've fallen short. Please forgive me. Today, I receive your gift, the free gift of salvation. Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my savior. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Can we celebrate those that made that decision? Come on, can we clap and shout? That's what this is all about.